Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Welcome, Cindy, to the show. I'm so happy you're here today. Hi, Beth. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be part of your podcast and to share some ideas with our wonderful ELL teachers. Absolutely. Cindy is part of the Equipping ELLs community, and she also has come on as being a curriculum creator as well for some of the different resources that we provide inside Equipping ELLs. So it's been such a pleasure to get to work with you in that capacity and get to get your insight into how to really support our English language learners. So why don't you start off by just sharing a little bit about your educational experience and kind of what you're doing right now? Sure. So I am an ELL teacher in New Jersey. I teach grades um, K to eight. It's a really small school district. There's actually only two classes per grade level. So it's great that I get to see the kids from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade. And every year it just keeps getting better. I I know as teachers, we we say our students are the best, but I think my students are the best. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they have a great teacher too. (laughs) Currently, I'm also um, a student myself. I am working on my supervisory curriculum writing uh, certification and also my dual language certification. So I love learning. I love just knowing ways that I can better my education and also just supporting our ELLs. I think that's always my main focus. If I learn, I'm able to show them too what I have been learning along the way and hopefully helps out in the classroom and my colleagues as well. Oh, definitely. I know it is. That's great that you're going on to get those degrees. 
Now, Cindy is someone that is someone that I'm really jealous of because she's completely bilingual. You can tell her English is perfect and beautiful and she has no accent. And then her first language actually is Spanish, which is incredible. So she's going to share. Why don't you share a little bit about kind of your journey? Because you were an ELL student many years ago. And I'd just love for you to share a little bit about how that impacted you and what you're doing now because of that. So I was born in Salvador. I came to the United States when I was seven years old. I had no prior English in El Salvador. So it was a huge culture shock when I came to the United States. I <laughs> and started literally my ASL journey. I recall one day listening. I was already starting to pick up some English, but I didn't show or speak in the classroom. But I remember my teacher asking my mom one day, it's like, hey, does your daughter speak at all? It's because I was in shock. I literally went through a silent period for a a couple months. But then I picked it up. I felt comfortable. The ESL teachers that worked with me were phenomenal. And then within a couple of years, I exited out. And in high school, it's a language. I think you have to take one year of language to graduate here in New Jersey. They allowed me to support the ESL teacher instead of taking Spanish one or Spanish speakers. And that's where my love for ESL grew even more. And I'm like, you know what? I want, I want to do this for a living. I love working with language learners and I love them seeing me and be able to make a connection and to be like, you know what, if she could do it, I can too. Hmm. Absolutely. Such a powerful story to be able to relate to your students in that way. And I think you hit on a good point that, you know, for us teachers who have not gone through that journey, we talk a lot about that silent period. And sometimes I know teachers worry that they're not really doing much with their students or they're not, you know, these students aren't getting it. And I think the point you made was like, you were taking it all in, you know, it was there. You just had to really make it so that you felt safe in that classroom so you would speak it. But you were you were exposed and really your listening comprehension was increasing your vocabulary. I'm sure, did you go home and practice and things in your own safe space, right? Correct. Translating too. I, I remember telling them, I'm like, oh, I learned this, you know, cat is gato. So I was also teaching my parents, but I was doing it at home because that was my safe space. That's where I felt comfortable at school. Since everything was new, I still was hesitant to show all my my language abilities, but it came through and um, it, it's been great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And so I just want to encourage the teachers out there, if you're working with newcomers and, and they're going through a silent period, don't underestimate that time and don't push that time, you know, letting the students really come into that space in their own when they feel comfortable because like you've, you've shared once you're able to, once you feel that confidence, you know, it comes out, it flows all of that. You've been hearing all those words you've been learning and practicing at home. They start to flow, but the students really have to feel that safety and comfort. That is correct. Yes. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your yellow students in a fraction of the time? I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need, 
proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. Today, I wanted to have Cindy on here to really share about building relationships with students, with families of ELLs, because it this absolutely is the most critical place to begin at the start of the school year. And I know I've said that many times before, but it really, without taking the time to build the relationships, the rest of the year is lost. You know, there's not going to be that academic learning without making that environment of safety and trust built from the first day. So Cindy does a fantastic job at this. And so can you just share some tips that you would give teachers for making relationships a priority? I know sometimes in the school, we feel this pressure of, you know, assess, get them going. We got to speed it up. We got to get this and this and this. And so how do we just kind of slow down and really, especially these first couple of weeks saying, you know what, relationships are the priority. What tips do you have for that? Sure. Indeed, the relationships that you make with your students are vital. They, I think they create the atmosphere for the the academic year. So my supervisor does a great job of sending an Excel sheet out to me. She actually has already shared it. We're mid-August. I start in September. And now I know already how many newcomers I'll have. So I did my own homework and I went to the school system, checked out the home language. I also see if the student uh, is new to the States or not, because that gives me an idea if they have been maybe exposed to English or not. And if there are any siblings in the school district. And also just as a teacher, we need to also have an idea of assessment. So I, I, I can start scheduling when that will take place mid September. I don't start that right away. And I'll, I'll talk about that later as to why. But yeah, now I, I, I focus uh, on getting to know my students. So I, I, I know I'm going to have so far five newcomers. So the first day of school, what I always do is I'm outside. Even if I don't have a duty, a morning duty, I am outside. I want parents to know who I am especially our ELL parents. And it's so important to show your presence. Every year I have parents that walk with their students, uh, don't know where to go, what line to escort their students to go in, but just you being there and seeing a face that they can communicate with, you see a huge difference. And right there, right from the start, you are creating those relationships that are going to be so important for both the families, the students, and your peers, and then for yourself as well. So they're there, they're asking questions, they're going to ask questions. We we don't think that they are, but they have so many questions. Mm-hmm. They're about to give you their child for yeah. six hours. <laughs> so true. Know who, we, who you are. <laughs> child's going to be taken care of. And <laughs> I want to assure them that, yes, they are in safe hands and you are here to advocate for them. Not just the student, but also the family as well. So please make sure that you are out there. My school district, there are different entering points in the school. So 
I just saw that the majority of my newcomers are going to be second and third grade. So I'm going to be more on that section because there are more students. I know sometimes we would like to divide ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) You can decide that on your own, but I'm going to be on that where the third graders and second graders enter because that's where the majority of my students, my newcomers are going to be. And I want parents to know me. And then after that, just do that every day for maybe the first week or so. And also during dismissal, be out there too, because they're going to ask you questions about the day. They're going to know, is there, do, do we need anything for the student? Does the student need to bring anything in tomorrow? And you want to be that person that's able to communicate with the families. I love that of just kind of your back planning of once you get that list of the students that you have, you know, looking at those key those key indicators of just, are they brand new to the country? Are they, did they just come from a different district? Have they been in, you know, school setting before in the U.S.? Do they have siblings? All those are so crucial to kind of get this picture of who the student is. Not that they're the end all of it, but to just have kind of some background into then knowing who you're going to be receiving on that day is wonderful. I love those, those tips. So, and if you don't speak the language of your students, you know, I'm thinking just as you're talking, still, like you're saying, being outside, maybe having a welcome sign in multiple languages. So they see, oh, you're, you're a friendly person who can help me. You're accepting of that, of all these languages. Okay. I'm going to ask you these questions, maybe having your phone with Google translate or something like that. So you can communicate if you don't speak the the same language as the parents, because I think it is really important to keep in mind, you know, all parents feel very stressed and anxious on the first day of school. Like you're saying, I didn't really understand this when I didn't have children, but now we're sending our two girls to school in a couple of weeks and just thinking through, oh, do they need to bring this? Where are they supposed to go? What door are they supposed to go into? Who's their teacher? I mean, there's so many questions that we have. And so knowing that there's somebody to receive our children and that they're going to be safe throughout the day is just the best place to start with building those relationships. So I love your priority in that. Yes, it's it's so helpful. And just knowing that you're helping out the community is very rewarding as well. Now, when it now in the classroom, the first two weeks, I do not think about assessment. My first two weeks are getting to know my students, getting to know their families. And I focus that by creating activities where students are able to tell me who they are, creating a, 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 a a space for them to use all their linguistic repertoires, no matter what it is, in the classroom. You want to make sure your students feel that this is the place for them. They're going to be taken care of and they're going to be welcomed and valued. I create activities based on family because I want the families to also participate, whether it's like bringing a picture from home and then we're going to talk about our families and they get to to tell us who they are. Uh, Maybe I know last year I had a, a new student. He was from Turkey. My first Turkish student, which was great. 
And we were able to pull up in Google Maps his town. He was telling us like, oh, you know, this is where I walk. This is my school. It was just great. It was great. He spoke in Turkish. I just loved listening. The students were like so engaged because the majority were Spanish speakers, but they just loved learning and seeing these pictures. And the student felt so welcomed. He loved it. The next day he wanted to continue the lesson and it's like, <laughs> okay, um, I have another opportunity for us to do that. <laughs> we can revisit. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and don't be afraid to be flexible too. I know on paper we have a, a lesson plan set, but the first two weeks, because you are focusing on the relationships between your students and their families, be flexible. And don't be afraid to push a lesson plan aside if it's going to help your student in their language learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to think, I mean, I'm just thinking of that Turkish student that you had, you know, coming a very long way, probably a very intense journey of getting into the U.S. And just thinking that for once somebody, you know, after all these months or however long it took him to get into your classroom, for people to be genuinely interested in what his life was like before. I mean, that just, even if he can't communicate in English, I love just letting him have that freedom to share pictures and to get excited and get to sh- give other students a glimpse of the life that he left. I mean, that's really powerful. Correct. And it, it's a culture shock for them too have to provide them with the the space for them to internalize all all the changes that are taking place and just to know even though yes I I don't speak Turkish it 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 was challenging for me but every day he was teaching me a new word on Google too I was practicing how to say sentences in Turkish and I would tell him I know it's not the best (laughs) yes absolutely that too. I'm going to go on a little side note right here because I know you have some experience of working with refugee students as well. So what would be your advice for teachers who are working with, you know, SIFE students, students who might have come from a very difficult situation? So maybe they don't feel comfortable sharing about what they've left or their, you know, maybe their family is broken right now. They have, they're not with their family. How do you kind of go about that to make sure that you're sensitive to those students who really it's, it's still pretty traumatic and it's not something that they're ready to share yet. Correct. With the refugee students, I had an opportunity to work with the international rescue community last couple of years. And with them, we focused on their social emotional needs. That was number one for us right from the beginning, showing them ways of how to voice how they are feeling because a lot of our students, they walk in our classrooms with lives that we would have never imagined a child living. And we need to be sensitive of that. We need to make sure that we're not forcing our students to, to produce like academic scores that we need for an assessment. No, we need to value them as humans. We need to make sure that when they're walking in, they know like, okay, you're advocating for me. You care how I feel. But with our refugee students, social, emotional needs, uh, the needs of the students were our number one priority. 
showing them images with pictures. I, I recall showing, I forgot the movie, the Disney movie with the different emotions. Oh yeah. Uh, Inside Out, I think it's called. Inside Out. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we showed Inside Out and then we did a, a lesson on how to express how you're feeling. We gave all the students the colors. So if they were feeling a certain color, we knew like, oh, you're feeling joy right now. You're feeling sadness. And just be open of conversations. If a student is feeling sad and you want to ask why and a student is willing to let to tell you, use that as an opportunity to get to know your students and your their families. Hey, is there anything that I can do? You're feeling sad. Is there a way that I can help you? We can help your family. And just knowing that you care, it's just life-changing for any any person, not just a child, to know that they have someone that they can go to. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, like you said, we have our set lesson plans, but having that flexibility is so critical as we're working with newcomers, just because we want to have that, you know, that freedom if we see that they need some more social emotional learning, they need some more support in this, they need some more time to share about what they love over getting right into the academics, you know, having that freedom and flexibility and, and seeing our students through that lens, instead of seeing, like you said, that they're not, they're more than just a test score or (laughs) reaching this language level, but seeing them that they're valued and welcomed. Do you invite parents in as well during these first few weeks or how do you go about with the, with relationships with parents or do you use different apps to communicate? Why don't you share a little bit about that? Sure. So our school hosts back to school night. So I I do invite all parents and I usually get a good number of parents that come in. But prior to that, I send out newsletters in English, Spanish, Turkish. Well, it's it. it yes, it does take a lot of planning. But <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> so I always send a copy in English and then the back uh, would either if it's the, my Spanish speakers it's in Spanish my Turkish speaker and the other side it's in, in Turkish and I always share a, a QR code if it's English or Spanish those are only two languages I speak if I could speak more than one I would uh, <laughs> make sure to include more than one a QR code but I always make sure I send those new uh, newsletter, what's going on in school. And the first week, I always make sure to send an introduction of myself, my educational background, why I, lo- I love teaching and what I'll be working with their, their child at home. So I'm sorry, at school. So that way, parents know who I am. And, and I, I include an image too, just in case if they are not the ones dropping their child off in the morning, they know I still have who I am by by the image that I have shared. And I share that too with my colleagues, like, hey, this is the newsletter that I share with parents. You're more than welcome to send it to your papers that, that you sent home with the child. Or if you want me to create something similar for your classroom, I'm always open to do that as well. So that helps. And then, yes, I do use an app called Class Dojo. I found Class Dojo to be great for communication. Class Dojo allows parents to translate the text. So if you're texting it in English, they have a selection for them to, to translate it to Spanish or, or Turkish. So it's, it's great. And I get to share images too, like, hey, 
child is working on it. And it's great. It's a great way to make sure you have that communication with your the parents during the day. Um, and vice versa, two parents can send you, a, they can type it in Spanish and then you can uh, receive it in English. Great. That must be a new feature since I have used Glass Dojo. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah well, I, we love it. We've been using it for a couple of years in our school district and parents, parents enjoy it. Yep. That's wonderful. And just hearing you speak about your newsletter, I love that, that you include a picture. I think sometimes we underestimate, if we're familiar with a U.S. school system, we underestimate how overwhelming that can be for families that are just arriving into the U.S. Because I know like here in Panama, you know, you don't have counselors and social workers and support teachers and all of these other people in this building. So it can be very overwhelming sometimes for our parents of ELLs to know who is this person? How are they helping my student, my child? So just kind of really clearly going through that at the beginning of the year is awesome. And what you made when you talked about the QR code, I know I'll have to research and we'll put the show notes, a link, but Google was coming out with a video transcriber where you could upload a video where you're talking in English and then it automatically can be transcribed into with captions into multiple different languages. So that could be another option for teachers who have a variety of different languages and feeling like, oh, I can't really reach all these parents because I only know English or I only know English and Spanish and I have all these other students. So we'll put a link in the show notes. I can't remember right now what it's called. I know it was in beta, but it was very cool because you could just do a quick five-minute video of who you are, what you're going to do to help their students, and then they can click the transcription of whatever they want language, and then we'll caption it. So technology is is improving rapidly. <laughs> yeah. And so gotta, uh, Google Docs, I, I believe they're able to translate too. I tell my teachers there is now a function for, for them to select the languages available for translation. That is great. Yeah. We need to take advantage of these things and really help support the families and the students. All right, Cindy. Well, let's finish up here. We're heading back to school. It's in August right now. Some people might have already gone back to school, (laughs) but you shared a little bit about this, but can you share a few more tips of things that you do to get ready for the year? You know, you kind of share a little bit about what you're doing now with your list or any other tips for new teachers of ELLs. What do you say? What would you say is really the most important things as you head back into this year? Yes. My number one thing is always advocate for your students. Please make sure you are communicating with the general ed teachers, creating a space for communication between all teachers. Our English language learners are not just our students. They're everyone's student in a school district. So we need to make sure that we are working as a team. Make sure that you're sharing the re- like a resource, like a newsletter or the app, or just making sure that you know how you're going to be able to assist the student when they are not present in your classroom, that the general ed teacher has the confidence to, to work with our ELLs is important. So communicate, communicate with everyone. And that also includes parents and students. Throughout the school, if I I know as teachers, we have already a lot on our plate, but labeling things in different languages, whether it's like a bathroom, a sink, so that way our students know 
where to go, that's also very helpful. I do that in my classroom. I make sure like I, I label as the littlest things. It could be a window and it's like, okay, Ventana. And then I added it in Turkish too. So I keep adding to that too. So the way the, the classroom looks like a language welcoming space. Another thing is just be prepared. Be prepared to have an open mindset and to be flexible and to always remember why you're doing what you do. And it's it's rewarding. Every time you you feel like you're overwhelmed, just stop, reflect. And it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm doing this because I care. I value my students and I want to provide them with the best educational experience. So make sure that you also take care of yourself. I, I know we're as teachers, we want to be superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. Self-care is also important. If you if you can't care for yourself, it's going to be hard to, to give your all to students. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love that, you know, just going back to the core of why why you're doing what you're doing and, and really knowing in your heart, you know, with all of our students, we're making a difference, but especially when we're working with these English language learners, we're really impacting not just the student, but families, communities globally having an impact. And so that's really incredible that we have global classrooms that we are get the gift to work with these students. And I think when things get really stressful, we forget or feel like we're not doing enough, you know, and I think, that's a great point of just going back to why we're doing it and then start to eliminate those things outside of our control that aren't adding into really doing what's best for our students is really a powerful way to keep, keep the excitement alive because <laughs> it is so rewarding. I absolutely yes, agree. It is. it is. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. This was so helpful. I know to the listeners to just kind of get some insight into getting ready for the school year and really making relationships a priority. All right. Well, thanks, Cindy. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Beth. It's been a pleasure. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.